0: Well, good morning. How is everybody? I want to say a special welcome to all of you college students. Welcome back. If you're a part of the University of Arkansas, if you're part of any of the other universities or colleges in the area, I want to say a special welcome to you. And I want to give you a special invite. If you've never been a part of the venue, if you've never come to check us out, that's our college and young adult ministry here at Trinity Fellowship. We meet on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock, as you saw in the video. Uh, We've got lots of different things that we do on a regular basis. Um, weekly, I have a wor- we have a worship service where I speak, uh, we have worship, we have fellowship, um, but included in that, we also have small groups that meet periodically, and each semester we have different small groups that meet, we're going to be kicking those off at the end of this month. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you are a college student, if you're a young adult, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30, this service is designed specifically for you. So if you haven't been a part of it, you haven't come to check us out, I'd encourage you to come check us out. There are a few, a few of our young adults who helped take up the offering this morning. They'll help in the next service as well. We'll have some people out in the foyer. If you want a card or if you want just information about the venue, you can stop by the information kiosk and grab some information but uh, thank you again for for just encouraging and welcoming students here at Trinity. You guys do a great job of that, and I just want to say personally to, to all of you who do that. Thank you so much for welcoming students into our church and then and then helping them to connect so thank you again for for that. Thank you to Pastor D uh, for giving me the opportunity to be here on a Sunday morning and to speak to you guys what God's had on my heart for quite some time now. Many of you have not had the privilege to well, I say privilege, to hear me speak. Um, Like I said, if you haven't been to the venue, you haven't heard me speak. And I say that because if you talk to some of those that have been to the venue, how many of you know that speaking to young adults is different than speaking to some other people? You can say things and get a little more raw and real. I may not get as raw and real as I do on on Thursday nights with you this morning, but I do want to be real with you guys. I want you guys to understand that what what I'm going to speak about this morning is something God's had on my heart for a long time. When I ask you to think about a word, I want you to think about the word journey. What comes to your mind whenever you think of the word journey? Do you think of maybe a vacation? How many of you need a vacation? Just a few of you. The rest of you, good. Y'all been on vacations a lot. I Maybe you think of hiking, maybe you think of a road trip, maybe you think of um, going camping. Maybe you think of something, something that's a journey. Wh- whatever a journey is to you may be different to somebody else. But a journey literally is the act of traveling from one place to another. That's, that's what the, the phys- or the, the Merriam-Webster's definition is. It is literally the act of traveling from one place to another. How many of you love to travel? I love to travel, I love experiencing new cultures, I love experiencing new people and new places, I love traveling with my wife, it's just something that we've always done, we, we love to experience new things and new places, I've been and had the privilege to be a lot of different places and to, to experience different cultures, just recently, I know Pastor Kyle was talking about, we, we just took a team to Ecuador, I'd been before but it's, we went to a different place and so we got to experience a different culture even. I've been to El Salvador. I've been to L.A. I've been, how many of you have ever been to L.A.? That's that's a culture shock, amen? Um, I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've been to Buenos Aires in Argentina. I've been to the Bahamas. I've been lots of different places, and that's just a few different places that I've been. How many of you have been to different places other than a state in the U.S.? How many of you have been outside the U.S.? Okay, awesome. You know what I'm talking about. Experiencing different cultures is, is just something that there's not much else like it. Something else I like to do is experience new foods. How many of you like new foods? I I kind of live when it comes to food, I kind of live by a motto kind of has bit me before, but I'll try anything once. Anybody else do that? When you when you experience different cultures, you have to kind of immerse yourself. You have to kind of try to try to experience it like like someone in the culture would. And so I, like I said, that's kind of bit me a few times, but most of us probably enjoy traveling to some extent because of all the different things that I listed. There's something about the journey, though. There's something about the journey of getting to where you're going. There's an excitement. There's an expectancy. Why? Because it's new. It's different. It's something you've never experienced before. Maybe, it's something, maybe you're going back to the same place, but it's a new experience. It's new every time you experience it. There's also a fear that comes with that. Maybe a little bit of anxiety. There are all kinds of emotions that you experience when you go on a journey. Most of the time, we don't even realize the roller coaster of emotions that we're on until we're on it. It's because with every journey that we take, with every journey that you take, there's a risk involved. There's a risk involved. And the verse that comes to my mind whenever I think of a, a risky journey is this. It's found in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, teach the child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never part from it. See, we're all on a journey of some kind. We've been on this journey since we were born. Our lives, our journey, we're constantly moving from one place to another, not knowing what what lies around the corner, not knowing what's gonna happen when we're on our way home from work, what's gonna happen when we wake up in the morning. There's risk involved. Life is a constant journey. And with that, there is a risk that we take. So my question to you is, what are you risking? In an article by Chris Beckert, who's a pastor at a church in Maryland, this idea of risk is explained in a, in a completely different light than I've ever seen before. She states this, and this is, gets me every time. It, she said, in a society that, constant, that is constantly telling us to chase the latest and greatest, what if, more often than not, the riskier thing to do for God is to stay where you are and keep doing what you're doing for the time being? I could probably stop right there and that may be all the encouragement that some of you in here needed today. You could probably tune me out the rest of the, the, rest of the time and it'd be, it'd be fine because that's what you needed. But here's the thing. For the rest of us, we may need to, to kind of flesh this out a little bit. And she goes on to say something to this degree. It says, what if taking a risk for God were less about jumping and going and more about examining our motives and opening our eyes to how God might be wanting to use us right where we are? Embracing the uncomfortable. Maybe God is wanting to use you as a change agent in your workplace, in your community, as a steady in ministry, or as the light in your social, social circle. Now, it's possible, again, that God may be asking you to do something dramatic. He may be asking you to do something out of this world. But I think more often than not, it could actually be counter to what God wants for you. Reflecting on my 32 years, about to be 33, just a couple weeks I'll turn 33. and um, Just so you know, I like cold brew and Skittles. So you can, whatever you want to do with that, that's great. Um, I can think of some risks that I've taken on my behalf and, and risks that I took for the sake of others. And what I'd encourage you to do is take a look back and and examine some risks that maybe you have taken over the the past few years or or over your entire lifetime, and think about those as we continue this morning. And as you think about those, I'm going to share a little bit of my story, share a little bit of my journey, some of the risks that I've taken over the years. I'm, I'm from central Arkansas, I grew up in the Jacksonville, North Little Rock area, if you're familiar with that area. I grew up going to church. I was heavily involved in church from a young age. My family changed churches. We actually switched churches when I was about 12 years old, and I started attending a, a very large church in central Arkansas, where I became heavily involved again in the youth group and as a student leader and and just, you know, really, really got connected, and I had the privilege to go on mission trips and and. and go to, to on different trips and things where I got to really build relationships with mentors and pastors. People who took risks on me. Some of those people took risks on me. A kid who sometimes was a whole lot more trouble than he was worth. See, I felt a call in into ministry when I was 16. I was on a mission trip to El Salvador. And whenever I came back, I... You know, I, I, I kind of fell away. I kind of started doing my own thing. Even though I was involved in church, I was involved in leadership, I even, I even got an award for being at church every service for a year. People don't do that anymore. But it was, it was amazing to me, looking back, that even though I was so heavily involved, I was so, I was so committed. Outside of church, I wasn't that committed. I was living a life that wasn't pleasing to God. I was living a lie. And then, when I was 19, some of you may have heard me tell this story. When I was 19 years old, I had an experience that changed my life. It was it was Halloween night, the fall of 2003. Some friends and I were were out late. Of course, it's Halloween night. Why wouldn't you be out late when you're 19 years old? Um, we got we got spooked by something. And I jumped in my truck, my little Ford Ranger XLT, and I, I sped up as fast as I could to get out of that parking lot. And the police officer said I hit the tree going 68 miles per hour. No seatbelt, no airbag. And I walked away from it with a cut on my nose and a slight concussion. As I laid on the ground after I got out of the truck, I was, I was kind of dumbfounded. I saw some friends running, and one of my closest friends ran up to me and was like, dude, are you okay? And I was like, I have no idea. But I looked up at that moment, and just to myself, I said, God, okay. I shouldn't be alive. I'll do whatever you want. That following fall, the following fall, I took a risk, and I followed what I believed God was calling me to. I came back to him and I was enrolled at Evangelion University in Springfield, Missouri, where I graduated three years later with a degree in intercultural studies and minors in biblical studies and psychology. A kid who somebody took risks on. And sometimes I failed, sometimes I faltered. I graduated. And I started out in ministry as a youth pastor because I didn't know what to do. I was credentialed with the Assemblies of God, but I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do. I had a degree in missions, but I love I loved teenagers. And so I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll go. I began ministry in a little church in Greers Ferry, Arkansas, where another pastor took a risk on a, a newly graduated minister by giving me my first job in ministry, and I spent five and a half years there pouring my life into students. There have been a few in-between years where I believe God has been teaching me and preparing me for where I am now, here at Trinity, where due to the result of a lot more risks and a lot more trust, God's put me exactly where I think he has me and he wants me. See, I told you my journey, because there are people along the way that took risks. They risked their reputations, their investments on me. And I risked everything at certain points. Not only did people love and take risks on me, I put myself out there. I resigned a comfortable, safe ministry position to move my family to another part of the state with no idea what God had in store for me. Sure, we had something planned. We didn't just move haphazardly. But I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't know what doors He was going to open. I didn't know when He was going to reach out and hold me, but I knew He would. I've jumped for the sake of taking a risk for God. And I found that I was really just following my own desire to be somebody, and I fell flat on my face. I've stayed when I should have left, and I've left when I should have stayed. But God used my decisions, my risks, my going and staying, and I learned something very valuable in the process. That no matter the risks that are associated with his plan, it's worth it. His plan is worth it. Today, what I would ask you to do is if you have your Bibles, if you have your iPad, your your iPhone, whatever you use, your tablet, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter fourteen. We're going to start in verse twenty-two. It's a story that a lot of you are probably familiar with. It's one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. Start at verse twenty-two. It says, "Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell." While he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? when they climbed back into the boat the wind stopped then the disciples worshiped him you really are the son of god they exclaimed again this is one of my favorite verses and passages in all of scripture but i want to give you a little background to, to something that is the central thing of the story and that's the sea of galilee it's no small body of water. It's actually located about 77 miles north-northeast of Jerusalem. Um, the sea is actually Israel's largest freshwater lake. It's about 13 miles long, about 7 miles wide, and about 150 to 200, 200 feet deep. It's not, a, it's not a, just a small lake. It's, it's a large body of water. And I think sometimes we, we don't understand that to know a little more of the specifics about it. It's fed by the Jordan River, which drains to the south and flows into the Dead Sea. And the most interesting fact about the Sea of Galilee is that it's 700 feet below sea level, which means that the formation of storms happens very, very, very quickly. How many of you know that storms happen very quickly in our lives? It makes sense when you look at all the different stories throughout the Gospels. Also, the boats that that were used during this period were not huge vessels. They were only about 26, 27 feet long and only about 8 feet wide. When you think about it, that's not a very large boat when you've got 12 disciples plus stuff. It's not a very large boat. And all this in mind, let's look at some risks that are involved when taking a trip across the Sea of Galilee. There's a risk that a storm could roll in at any time. When I was was doing some research on this, I looked up some videos. And so if you get a chance, just look up some videos on the Sea of Galilee and storms. They They just happen. They come out of nowhere. It's a very unstable environment. But here's the thing. Even though it's an unstable environment. And there are multiple stories throughout the Bible and instances where people still crossed the Red Sea or the, the Sea of Galilee. They knew the risks that were involved, but they still crossed it. They still went. They still trusted. Have you ever been on a trip or done something where you you knew there was a specific risk involved? Uh, I had the privilege a few weeks ago to... Um, go and be a part of an event for Gary Denzer. It was for his birthday. How many of you know Gary? Um, he, he went and he jumped out of a, a perfectly good airplane. Um, I don't know why people do that, but uh, I got the privilege to go watch and, and be a part of this, and I actually didn't get to watch him jump because it got too late, and I was like, i got to get home and get ready for Sunday. But um, it, was, it was really cool to watch the video of a guy who had worked so hard worked so hard to, he even lost weight so that he could be able to jump out of a plane. There were risks involved with jumping out of a plane, amen? Like not reaching the ground or reaching the ground too fast or, I mean, there's all kinds of risks involved with jumping out of a plane. Have you ever done something where you knew there was a specific risk involved? This morning, we're going to look at the journey of Peter and the disciples and see what God Is trying to teach us some things that we can learn about our journey and some risks. So what can we learn from the story, number one? Number one, you will have trouble. On your journey, you will have trouble. Verse 24, it says, the disciples were in trouble. We will have opposition during our journey. And something else to consider is this. This happens just hours after the story of the five loaves and the two fish. We have to expect opposition after huge victories. Jesus told them to head on without him. Head on without him didn't mean they were actually by themselves. He was still with them in spirit. And even though Jesus calls us and he guides us to do things and to go places and to to take risks, we will still experience trouble. That doesn't mean he's not with us. We have to remember that when we experience trouble on our journey, God wants to remind us, number two, that Jesus is near. So not only will you have trouble, we have to remember that Jesus is near on our journey. He is near to us. Timing is everything. Jesus' timing at this moment as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee is perfect. At the moment, When we become afraid or doubtful, what happens? Jesus reveals himself. He's near. The disciples were scared out of their minds when the waves got big, but then he appeared. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. See, there's a vulnerability that happens on our journey, and Jesus draws near to us in that vulnerability, in that time of need, and he does that in order to protect us. And if we're not careful, we can do something that um, I could take our eyes off of him. If we're not careful, we could let fear creep in. Leads me to my next point as a follower of Christ on our journey, we have to decide to fear not, number three. It says that the disciples were afraid when they saw Jesus walking towards them. They thought he was a ghost. I mean, what would you do if you're out on the lake and you're on a boat and it's storming and all of a sudden you hear somebody say, fear not, that, what? I, I might... There might be some issues. Um it, it would be a little scary, right? If you're, it's dark, it's the middle of the night, it's storming, the the boat's tossing back and forth, all of you are afraid. And what happens when somebody else is afraid? Fear is contagious, right? So everybody was afraid. And then here comes Jesus walking on the water. I I might I might scream, holler like a little girl. I don't know, probably. But We we would be scared too. But what did Jesus do here? He said, Take courage. Don't be afraid. See, on our journey as followers of Christ, there will be many different things that we fear. There it's gonna happen. You're gonna be afraid of things. Because a big thing about fear is that fear is the unknown. Fear is the unknown, and yet Jesus wants us to trust him in the midst of our fears. We have no reason to be afraid if we can depend on him, because he will be there to hold us and to help us when we falter. 2 Timothy chapter 1-7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. How many times have you have you been in a situation where God was trying to provide for you? God was trying to, to direct your path, and you got confused and were afraid of the one thing that could make everything better. What happens next in the story is one of my favorite moments in all of Scripture. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come. Like, that... Like That's a big deal. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Here's a guy who's scared out of his mind one moment. Scared out of his mind one moment, and then he decides, okay, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. I trust you. The significance of this moment is monumental. Not only does Jesus want us to trust him, he wants us to risk everything to follow him. It's one thing to talk about risk. And to think about it, it's another thing to act on it. The next thing that we can learn from this story is that we can walk on water. We can walk on water. Here's Peter. Peter's about to do something no normal human being has ever done. However, Peter has to do something in order to walk on water. He has to make the decision to get out of the boat. He's got to make the decision to get out of the boat and act on it. He has to follow through. Some of the other disciples, they may have thought about it, but Peter's the only one who acted on it. Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. I mean, how many of us could say that? It's a pretty cool story. And up to this point, it's a story that he could tell his grandkids and he'd be excited about. He, I, mean, he probably, I mean, it's a story that, that, you know, legends are made of, right? You walked on water. But here's the thing. When Peter realized what he was doing, what did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to falter. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, help me. See, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we begin to falter. We begin to sink. Lines begin to blur. We get confused. We lose sight of our goal. But when we cry out for him to save us, he'll be there when we call. Because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Which leads me to number five. He is faithful. He is faithful. Even though I falter, he is faithful. Verse 32 maybe my favorite verse in this passage, bar none. Why? Because I think it's one that we skip over a lot. Verse 32 says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Here's the, here's, here's the thing, the coolest thing about this story. I think, when Jesus reached out for Peter, when Jesus reached out for Peter, he called him out again. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? It's at that moment, I'm trying to figure something out. See, they had to get back to the boat somehow. If he, if he had to walk out to Jesus and he began to falter and Jesus pulled him up, where are they? They're still on the water, right? And if he had to walk out to Jesus, that means they're not right next to the boat. They didn't just magically appear back in the boat with the disciples. It says when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And it wasn't until after He had experienced a storm and a period where God wanted him to trust him that the wind died down. It doesn't say that the wind died down as soon as he touched Jesus. It was still storming. And even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of his doubt, he still had to get back to the boat. I think if it would have been an immediate thing, I think the author would have used some wording like he did previously. The word word win actually emphasizes that they had to walk on water again. They had to walk on water together. It doesn't state that Jesus held his hand as they walked back to the boat. Jesus asked him, why did you doubt? And that was all that Peter needed. It was all that Peter needed to have faith to walk on water again, trusting that Jesus would be there if he began to falter. Sometimes that's all we need too. We just need to know that he's faithful. And if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. He's always there. We just have to trust him. On the front of Mark Batterson's book, it's a book entitled If, it has this tagline, and it sits with me, and I hope it sits with you, and it says, trading your if-only regrets for what-if possibilities. Trading your if-only regrets for what-if possibilities. What's possible if you risk it? What are you willing to risk on your journey? Peter, he literally risked everything by stepping out of the water. I mean, what's the worst thing that could have happened to Peter? Right? He probably would have drowned if he didn't have faith. I mean, come on. The worst thing that could happen... If you don't trust in Jesus, you're going to fail. What will you risk? Some risks look different than others. And follow me for a second because I'm not saying that you have to. I'm not saying that you absolutely have to get out of the boat. There are some options. How do you know whether taking a risk for God means staying in the boat or riding out the storm? I mean, look at, the, look at it this way. Where were the other disciples while Peter was walking on water? They were still in the boat. They still went on to do great things for the kingdom of God, amen? But they didn't get out of the boat. Peter was the only one who got to experience what it was like to walk on water. It may help you to consider the following filters and evaluating risks that you may need to take on your journey. Number one, the filter that you need to, to use is Scripture. Psalm chapter 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You'll find all the guidance you need by diving into the word. When you do and only when you do, that's when you can ask yourself these questions. We, see, we have to evaluate what we do and the decisions we make on our journey through Scripture. Is leaving it all behind detrimental to the things of God? Is it contradictory to His Word? What's keeping us? What's keeping you? Use the Word of God to help determine what He wants for you. Pray through Scriptures. Use them as your guide. The Bible is God's guidebook for your life. The second filter is this. Not only do you have to use Scripture, you have to use your history. History. Take some time to evaluate the history of your own journey. That's why I was telling you to think back earlier. Look at the risks you've taken. When was the last time you risked anything for anyone, much less for Jesus and what he's calling you to? Was it five years ago, two years ago, six months ago, two weeks ago, yesterday? When was it? You're the only one who can answer Did you trust God in those times? Or did you do it in your own strength? Are you still doing it in your own strength? Are you running away from something or someone? You're running away from Jesus. Do you need to risk everything to get back to Him? Evaluate your history. Number three, wise counsel. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. See, what are your mentors, your teachers, your elders, your parents, your spouse, your best friends, what are people that you know have a good and healthy and solid relationship with God? What are they saying to you? Does God revealed to them the risk he wants you to take is either to go or to stay? Ask them for advice, counsel. That may be the only reason. That may be the only reason that some people are in your life. Are you listening to the right voices? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says, Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. See, here's something to remember. And I think this is important. God's not going to reveal something to someone about you before He reveals it to you. See, the Lord uses His people as confirmation, not revelation. Revelation. He'll give you the revelation and confirm it through someone else. If you're in a right relationship with him, if you're you're near to him, he will be near to you and you will hear from him. It may not be in an audible voice. It may be a still small voice. And maybe that still small voice you're not sure is God. That's why he has those people in your life. He'll use them as a place of counsel around you to encourage to lift you up to affirm you in your journey. So before you risk it all, seek the counsel of those around you. The final filter I have for you today is peace. Evaluate the risks compared to the peace that you can experience through. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, "And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When it comes to risk on your journey, can you have peace? Or do you need to make a change in order to experience peace? Do you need to take a leap of faith in order to experience peace? In scripture, there are countless stories of men and women whose biggest risk is not stepping out to go and to follow God, but choosing to continue to follow Him right where they are. Have you ever thought the biggest risk could be continuing right where you are? Staying faithful day in and day out, even when it doesn't feel like much of an adventure, even when it hurts sometimes. It seems that many people are in the same boat. Where Jesus, He he might be calling you to step out and to walk on water, That's what he might be doing. But he also might want you to stay in the boat and just ride out the storm. Because what happens at the end of the storm? What happened when they got back into that boat? The wind died down, and there was peace. We have to evaluate our risks by using those filters, by using scripture, by evaluating our history, by seeking wise counsel. And we have to determine if we're going to experience peace. Because if it's of God, it will it will bring peace. If it's of God, you will have those that will counsel around you. If it's of God, your history will lead you to him. In scripture, God breathed. Where are you on the journey? Remember, your journey is your journey. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 says, "We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise." On our journey, we have a tendency to compare. We're human. But what these comparisons do to us on our spiritual journey is they steal our ability to seek God when we need Him. They steal our ability to seek God, and they rob us of a whole lot more than we should be willing to give So when you're watching the journey of others unfold and you're obsessive about the gifts that they've been handed or the journey, their journey may be more desirable than yours. We miss what God is trying to teach us and reveal to us through our own risky journey. That's why I shared my story with you earlier, because I have a journey that's different than yours and vice versa. Our journeys are made up of risks who make us who we are. Risks that develop character and integrity and they give us clarity as to what God is wanting Jesus to do in and through you. Your journey is your journey. No one else can take the exact same path. You're uniquely chosen for the journey ahead of you. Is there more risk associated with staying or going? You're the only one who can decide that. It's yours for the taking. Maybe you're on a journey and you just needed a reminder today of why you're experiencing what you're experiencing. Maybe you just need to ride it out. Maybe you need to get out of that boat. Maybe you want to give up your own journey for the journey that Christ has for you. Maybe God's calling you to risk everything for His sake. Maybe you just need to be faithful in the trial. Whatever you do, don't let the moment that God is calling you to either get out of the boat or to stay, don't let it pass. We're all being asked to risk something. What are you being asked to risk? What is God asking you to risk in this journey that we call life? Is it everything? Is it, it God, I'll I'll sell all my possessions. I'll do everything you want me to do. I'll I'll give up everything to do and to go and to plant and to, to be what you've called me to be. You're the only one that can decide that. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now. A storm that you have no idea if it's ever gonna end. The waves are tossing you back and forth. And you're getting tired and you're scared and you're alone. You're not truly alone. Maybe you just need to trust That's a whole lot harder than, than it sounds. It is. I'm not saying it's easy. Because we will have trials, we will face storms, we will, it will bog us down. But God is faithful. He is faithful even in the midst of the storm. So this morning, I'm going to ask just a few questions. And then I want to pray. Because this morning, I think, is more about you you evaluating and you, you looking at your own journey. Of what God is really trying to do in your life and through you and take you. If he wants you to walk on water, by golly, walk on water. If he wants you to stay in the boat and ride out the storm, ride it out. But do it knowing that he is going to catch you when you fall or while you're scared. So if you're if you're in the middle of trying to figure out, God, I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to jump. I don't know if I'm supposed to to, re- to risk it all. I'm, I've got a family. I've got I've got a good job here. I've got I don't I don't have I don't have any idea of specifics on it. But I know there are some people in this room that are dealing with some risks that are associated with what God's calling them to. If that's you. you gotta make a decision you gotta act on it belief without action is nothing if you believe God's calling you to something if you believe that he's, he's, he's leading you and you don't act on his leading it's just a thought it's just an idea Maybe you're in the middle of a storm again. And you say, I I just, God, I don't know what to do. He wants to be there for you. And I want to pray with you. So if you're in the middle of making one of the biggest decisions of your life, maybe by risking it all to do and to follow what God has for you, I want to pray with you. Maybe if you're in the middle of a storm, you have no idea what's ahead. You don't know if God's calling you to step out or stay in or ride it out. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for those people that are here today that say, God, I, I, I know that you're working in my heart. I know that you're working in my life. I know that you're calling me to do something and to risk Lord, I pray, number one, that you would give them clarity in what you're calling them to. And I pray that as as they make a decision on whether or not to jump and to to risk it all for you, Lord, I pray that you would would go before them, that you would surround them, that you would let them know that as as they begin to, to step out, They begin to get confused at some points. They begin to get tired or weary. Lord, that you would give them strength. Lord, that you would reach down and that you would hold them by their hand. and That you would say, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I am with you. Let's go. Maybe all that they need this morning is to know that you're with them and to know you are with them wherever they go. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are in the middle of a storm that is the biggest storm of their life, that is something they've never experienced, something they've never had to deal with. They don't know which way is up or down or right or left, but Lord, they know that you are faithful, and they're trying to stay faithful themselves, but Lord, I pray that you you would give them the courage to stay where you have them. To ride out the storm because there's peace on the other side. The result of the storm may not be exactly what they want, but Lord, we trust you. And I pray that you would give them peace in the name of Jesus. If you're going through a storm, or maybe you know somebody that's going through a storm maybe you want to risk it all I just ask that you find a place today that you make this a house of prayer as, as we sing this last song and that as you leave this place today that you would always be evaluating the risks that God would have you take in order to follow and to do and to be he's called you to be. Let's pray.